Welcome to Timothy Eden Memorial Church, a place for life. Connect, participate, celebrate. Let us join our hearts together in prayer. God, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit upon us to be our inspiration, to be our guide, to be our life, and help us now as we reflect and meditate on your word. In Jesus' name, amen. God is love. God is love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. As I have loved you, so, to, so you too should love one another. They'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. You'll thank me for not singing. <laughs> we know that love is one of the most central aspects of the Christian faith. The problem with love is it's really messy. I think we all grew up on movies that present love as this warm, fuzzy feeling that makes our hearts flutter and, and solves all of our problems, right? But if you've ever actually loved someone, and I hope you all have, then you know that it's not all puppy dogs and cotton candy all the time. Love is great, don't get me wrong. But it doesn't take long to realize that the people we most loved are the ones who are best positioned to push all of our buttons. I gave up on love once, altogether. Romantic love, anyway. After a failed relationship, I decided that I did not need that rubbish in my life anymore. Right? Loving makes us vulnerable. It exposes our hearts. And I had dared to love someone at great personal cost and was deeply hurt. Now don't bring out any violins this morning. <laughs> You've all been there too. But after that, I was determined that I didn't need love in my life. I am a smart, competent, capable woman with solid life experience. I can look after myself. I was just fine on my own, I had decided. But as most of you know, love did win out <laughs> eventually. <laughs> love won the day, and I did dare to open myself up to love again. And if you've met my husband, you know that it has totally been worth the risk. <laughs> he, he, he's blushing now. But love is not just about the warm, fuzzy feelings that we see in the movies. Those feelings 
come and go, even within the most loving relationships with the people we are closest to. And think for a moment of the people in your life that you love, your spouse, your parents, your siblings, uh, your children, whoever you love. I am sure that there have been times in your life when your feelings towards them were less than warm and fuzzy. So when Jesus says, love one another, or love your enemies, as he does in the scripture passage that Nancy just read for us so beautifully, he's not talking about conjuring up some warm, fuzzy feelings that aren't really there. According to Jesus, when someone causes us injury, we should respond with love which is to say we should respond to them in the way that we would want others to respond to our sins. Loving our enemies is not about manufacturing warm feelings or denying how we really feel about being wronged. Loving them is about our attitude and our actions towards them despite what we might be feeling in any given moment. When we love our enemies, we can acknowledge our sincere feelings to ourselves, to God, sometimes even to the other person if it's appropriate. But then by our attitude and our actions, what it means to love is that we seek their well-being. We seek their well-being instead of their demise. We don't set out to make them pay for what they've done to us. No. We extend grace to them. Love your enemies. Forgive them. Pray for them. It's radical. It's ridiculous even. But so is God's love for each one of us. God's grace is outrageous. And the very definition of grace is being offered the love and forgiveness that we have not earned and we do not deserve. And all of us have been given an infinite amount of God's amazing grace and love. And when we extend love to others, it flows out of our our acceptance of the love that God has given to us. We extend it to others with an awareness of how blessed we are to have been given God's grace. So that's why love. Why love? Because we have been loved even when we didn't deserve it. For human beings, being loved is very important. All of us are seeking love in one way or another in our lives, and many people go through life starved for it, which can unfortunately lead some to, to seek it out, to look for it in unhealthy ways and, and go to uh, unhealthy places to try and find it. One well-respected psychoanalyst from the 1960s by the name of Eric Fromm in his book entitled The Art of Loving, and I, I may have shared this with you before because I love this book so much. Eric Fromm wrote that our human attitudes toward love are based on several misguided premises. The first, he says, 
is that we see the problem of love primarily that, uh, uh, as that of being loved rather than loving. That is, he says, we rarely concern ourselves with expanding our capacity to give love to others. Often, we give love in order to be loved back. And if our love is not reciprocated, it eventually fades away. So we concern ourselves, right, with how to be lovable by trying to make our, ourselves successful and attractive and, um, and by developing pleasing social skills. And, and our focus is on being loved rather than on learning how we can love others well. We don't really try to learn how to love our enemies. We think we're doing well if we uh, try to tolerate them, right? I know I do. <laughs> I use the word learn to love because the second misguided premise that Fromm identifies behind our atti attitudes to love is that love is simple or natural. The difficult part is finding the right object to love. We think that once we find the right object for our love, then loving them will just come naturally. This comes from our tendency in our from a tendency in our culture and and not just among teenage girls either, a tendency to confuse love with infatuation, which is that, that spontaneous emotional experience we have when we're attracted to someone. So the Bible does not command us to be lovable. It commands us to love others, and not only those uh, we have deemed to be suitable object, a suitable object to love. And the fact that it's a command tells us that it is not something that Jesus considered to be simple and natural. Rather, it's something that requires some effort and discipline on our part, deciding to love. It's something that needs to be learned. How do we love? And it needs to be practiced. It's a discipline. So that brings me to the question of what does it really mean to love others anyway? Does love mean that we just always give in, give in to the whims and desires of someone else? Or that we compromise what we know is right in order to make someone else happy? Or that we agree with everything that they say or do? Or that we tolerate mistreatment or bad behavior or abuse from someone. No, love means none of those things. As parents know, sometimes love means saying no, right? It means saying no when the parent knows that what the children want or how they're behaving is not in their best interest or what they're trying to do is not good for them. And often we have to be willing to suffer personal pain, uh, the pain that comes from anger, from their, feeling their anger or their rejection that often comes when we say no to someone. 
knowing that it's the right thing to do. If you are loving your children well, they will not always like you. <laughs> it helps us to understand the Christian idea of love in all of the spheres of our lives, in parenting, in our relationships, in our love for enemies and strangers. It helps us if we look at the Bible's use of the words for love, or for our English word love. The Greek language in which the New Testament was originally written has a number, the Greek language has a number of words uh, that we translate into the one word love. Uh, the most common words for love in the ancient Greek are eros and philia and agape. There will be a quiz at the end of the sermon. Eros, philia, and agape. Eros, which is sexual or romantic love, is the kind of love that most of us automatically think of when we hear the word love, right? It's that, that romantic love. And this word is not used in the New Testament even once. That's not what love is in the Bible. The two Greek words for love that are used in the New Testament are philia and agape. And these are the words that point us to the Bible's understanding of what it means to love others. So philia. Philia is probably the biblical form of love that would seem most natural to us. The best way to understand the kind of love that philia refers to is to think of the city Philadelphia. Philadelphia, whose name combines two Greek words, the Greek for, word for love, philia, and another Greek word, adelphos, which means brother. So Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. So phil philia refers to that kind of familiar or affectionate love that exists between family members and close friends. You'll feel this kind of love for countless people that you know. And it brings with it a certain emotional response you, when you think of how you love your parents and your siblings and, and, and that. That's philia. But agape... Agape is the word for love uh, used most often in the New Testament, including this morning's passage from Matthew. The word agape indicates a selfless concern for the welfare of others that has nothing to do with any quality of lovableness in the recipient. This kind of love doesn't flow naturally. It involves a decision to seek the well-being of the person in obedience to God's command. It is like Christ's love manifested on the cross. It's a self-sacrificial love, a love that's willing to, to give sacrifice all personal benefit, all personal rights for the good of the other, whether or not they deserve it, right? And that's where we think, when we think of loving our enemies, they may not deserve it, but we, we give it and often expecting nothing in return. This is the love 
agape love that Jesus gives to us. It's sacrificial love which led him to give up absolutely everything right up to the ultimate consequences, right up to his own death on the cross, making it possible for us to be forgiven and restoring us to fellowship with the Father. He had nothing to gain out of this. It was all for us. This is the kind of love that we as Christians are called to give to others. The way we love people and express that love obviously depends on our relationship with them. So we don't love our neighbor as we love our spouse, for example, right? But returning to Eric Fromm, he says that all forms of love contain the uh, the following basic elements. All forms of love, whether it's a spouse, a parent, a sibling, uh, a stranger, your enemy, anyone. All forms of love contain the following basic elements. It contains care, responsibility, respect, and knowledge. And I'm going to go through all these. I hope you're taking notes for the quiz afterwards, right? <laughs> The, these four elements that, um, that Fromm identifies are consistent with the agape love that we read about in the Bible. So first, that love implies care is most evident in the, the parents' love for their, for their children. They care, they, they bring them to be baptized, they look after them, they take them to the doctor, they care for them. And, and this, this kind of care should be part of the love that we show to all people as well, uh, according to Frum. Second, responsibility does not mean an obligation or a duty. Responsibility means to be able and ready to respond. You know, it's not that we have a, an obligation or this feel this sense of duty, but we're able to, be re to respond to their needs. We know, for example, that God responds to all of our needs. And so to love others means to feel responsible for the needs of others, including both the physical needs for food and shelter, but also there's the spiritual needs for acceptance and a feeling of value. Third, respect is the ability to see a person as he or she is, to be aware of his or her unique individuality. Respect means being concerned that the other person grow and unfold as he or she should, not just how we want them to, or in a way that is pleasing or comfortable or convenient for us. No, God created us all and wants us all to grow in his image and in the image of the Son. And loving another person means that we will respect them by allowing them to develop as God intends them to. And the fourth element of love is knowledge. To respect and love a person is not possible without taking the time 
to know him or her. Care and responsibility, for example, would be blind if they were not guided by knowledge of who the person is. And there are many layers of knowledge. And the knowledge, which is an aspect of love, moves beyond the superficial and obvious things we can know about a person to a deeper understanding of why they act the way they do and respond the way they do. Nobody has a more profound knowledge of us than God, right? God, who the psalmist says, knew us before we were born, knew all of these babies before they were born, knew all of us before we were born, and knit us together in our mother's womb. God knows us even better than we know ourselves. And that love is the most powerful thing on earth. And when we give that kind of love to others, it has the power to transform the world. Godly love is difficult. There's no doubt about it. It's not something we do spontaneously or naturally, but rather it's a discipline a fruit of the Spirit that we must grow and cultivate. Becoming loving people is something that we seek to learn over time. And that's why Jesus had to specifically direct his disciples to do it. And it's through cultivating a godly love and becoming loving people that we demonstrate to others that we are friends of Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that you continuously, continuously pour out your love onto each one of us. And we ask that you would fill our hearts with your love, that it might pour out to all those we meet, that we might extend your love to others and that this would change the world. Lord, we pray for all those people in our lives and throughout the world who need to feel your love, those who are ill, those who are in hospital, those who are in war-torn countries, those who are suffering from poverty. Lord, we know that the world can be changed by love. May each and every one of us take that step to learn how to give the same agape love that you give to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.